0: folks eve here this is a show about the experiences of lgbtq folks that find joy recreating in the outdoors we're creating space for folks to share their stories which means you might hear some things that just don't make sense to you and that is exactly why we're here it's our hope that you will listen with an open mind and as always we welcome thoughtful and engaged feedback we look forward to hearing how you brought this conversation into your own community with that Welcome to the ride. Welcome back, y'all. Casey isn't here this week, but we've still got an awesome conversation to share with you. A few weeks ago, I Skyped with Air Paris about their experience as a queer person in the outdoors, as a thru-hiker, and a general adventurer. Air has been a professional writer in the outdoor industry for some time now, and talking with them about how their identity impacts their experience was really incredible. I also wanted to take a minute to let you know that we recognize how important it is to acknowledge the original owners and inhabitants of the land we use, whether recreating or just living. With that, we'll be going back through each of our episodes and adding a description of the native locations of which we're recording from to honor the land we use. For this week's episode, I'm recording on Peoria in Ottawa land and Ayers joining us from Duwamish land. With that, let's get into this week's episode. So can you introduce yourself by telling us your name, your pronouns, and a little
1: background about yourself? Sure. Um, My name is Air Paris. I use they, them pronouns, um, and I am a backpacker and climber, and I write for um, the outdoor industry. That's awesome.
0: What um, like what kind of things do you write for the outdoor industry?
1: Sure. I've done everything from um, just straight-up copywriting, like product descriptions and that kind of stuff, um, to my most recent role was um, writing um, articles, a lot of articles for the RAI Co-op Journal, which is their online publication. Awesome.
0: Um, so how did you kind of, like, get into... Being a part of the outdoors, like, did you grow up being like your parents doing that, like showing that for to you, or like how did you become such an outdoors person that now you're like writing for large outdoor companies?
1: Yeah, Um, let's see. So my parents were um, both dancers. They moved to New York to try to um, get on Broadway. Um, And so and then they became personal trainers. So like moving our bodies was like definitely a large part of my childhood. Um, And uh, they also had a house we lived in Manhattan. um, But then they also had a house in upstate New York. And so we would spend the summers up there and um, they would force me to go on hikes all the time. And I hated it. <laughs> I was not outdoorsy. Uh, I loved nothing more than reading um, inside. Um, and so actually it was kind of weird. One day I was just like at an REI and. Um, I don't even know why I was there, honestly. Oh, yes, I do remember. I was trying to get some of those like five-toed shoes. I forget what they were Uh, called.
0: Like the Vibram. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was trying to get some of those. And so I was at an REI in Pittsburgh, where I lived at the time. um, And I just happened to be there at the same moment that these other people were there. And we got to be talking about these weird shoes. and they happened to be on um, a long distance bike ride, like at the beginning of their bike ride, um, and they were with an organization called Bike and Build, um, and so they just like happened to tell me about this awesome trip, which is basically raising some money for affordable housing, and then biking across the country, doing builds with Habitat for Humanity, um, and other organizations, and then like you know having a great summer, basically. Um, and so I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna do that." And um, I told my parents about it, and they just like laughed in my face. They were like, <laughs> <laughs> "Okay, we know you know how to ride a bike, but like, you are not gonna ride, you know, 4,000 miles across the country. Like, that is ridiculous." And I was like, "Well, I already applied uh, and put some money down, so <laughs> <laughs> doing it."
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: Yeah, and from there, I was like, oh, I like this thing that is, like, moving my body outside. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's probably different, too, like, when you're the one choosing to do it for yourself versus, like, your parents saying, like, oh, we're going to do this thing. Like, I don't know. I think that's, like, children all the time. Our parents tell us to, like, play sports or do whatever, and we hate every minute of it, and then, like, when we're choosing to do it ourselves, it's like, oh, this is actually not terrible. So, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> so, how has kind of, like, your identity as a person in the LGBTQ community, like, shaped more or less, like, your experience in the outdoors, and, like, has that shifted over time, and, like, I don't know, like, it's just, I think it's really unique, um, I think that my experience outdoors is very much shaped by my identity, um and just like my comfort even in the outdoors. So I'd just be curious to see like what that's like for you.
1: Yeah, Um, I think like my internal identity, like if I was alone in the world, um, I don't know like that being queer would be so important to me. Um, It seems like it's important just because of like what it means for the relationships with other folks that I have. And so most of my, my experience of like being queer in the outdoors is related to like the people that I'm with. Um, And also it should be said that um, I um, identify as non-binary and trans but to the outside world a lot of people assume that I am a cis woman um, and I also am white so I think that like really uh, changes the way that I live in the outdoors. Um, but like I said, on that, um, that long bike ride, I was on it with, um, my partner at the time. Um, and we were like going through rural communities, um, in the middle of nowhere, um, in the U.S. Um, and so it was really interesting to, um, to be on a bike, um, as part of, at the time we were, um, calling ourselves lesbians, um, and so, like, being one part of a visibly queer partnership while biking through the middle of nowhere was, you know, a little bit uncomfortable at times. Um, yeah, my partner at the time was also, um, like, in a larger body, and so I think that that was actually harder than being lesbians, um, yeah. Yeah, they got, like, trash thrown at them outside of, like, car windows. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was also kind of surprised, too, that it wasn't as, like, no one came up to us in, like, rural communities. Like, we were staying in um, in churches a lot of the time. So, like, no one came up to us and was like, you know, get out of here or whatever. Um Yeah. And then like since then, um, since becoming trans and um, yeah, that has changed my relationship to the outdoors, I think. Um, Again, in relation to with other people. um, I think like just being, it's really just being in rural spaces a lot of time alone that it can be challenging, I think, as a queer person in the outdoors. Um, I've also been really lucky that I've only encountered nice people. Um, I think being in the Pacific Northwest um, has a lot to do with that. Um, most of the recreation I do here is, you know, am surrounded by people who aren't weirded out by queerness maybe, or at least not outwardly.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's this, I guess, yeah, I think like, I think about a lot of ways that we, I guess not ways, but more or less like places that people tend to think of when they think about like outdoor recreation, um, and those often tend to be like rural spaces, um, and stereotypically like rural spaces are much more conservative, and like, you know, I, I'm trying to imagine what it would be like to be in a, like a, a, a lesbian relationship biking through rural america like and just yeah i mean that doesn't it doesn't sound fun and i think that or not it doesn't sound fun but it it sounds like there's a level of like anxiety like an extra added level of like i'm just gonna like you have to think about this thing all of the time um and be aware of it where i i don't know because i don't have the experience of not being queer but like i wonder if straight folks have those same thoughts and i would have to assume or like cis folks have those same thoughts uh, of like oh i'm in this community like i should be wary of how i present myself or i should like be overly attentive to like what's going on around me instead of just like enjoying the fact that i'm riding my bike through this town like i would i don't know like what what are your thoughts on that
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because um, I also, after that bike ride, so on that bike ride, it was also, like, the time period, too. So, like, 2012, it was a different time than, like, today um, in terms of, like, LGBTQ rights. Um, And so I felt really strongly about not holding my partner's hand in public. Um, And, um, yeah, so... Definitely, always on the in the back of my mind. Um, then in twenty fifteen, I did the Pacific Crest Trail, um, and at that time, I um, I think consciously grew out my hair and looked as um, femme and uh, as much of a cis woman as I could possibly look, um, and that also felt like it was a safety thing. So when I was Alone, I felt more safe being perceived as like a conventionally attractive um, woman than a trans person. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's just weird to have that thought always in the back of your head. It's just like, what pronouns am I choosing to talk about my partner um, using? Um, what pronouns am I using? When am I speaking up about? Um, you know, like, my rights, um, what I think about, when am I talking about, yeah, my political views, so, wow. yeah. Yeah,
0: that's, like, wow, I'd love to hear way more about, like, your experience on the PCT then, of, like, how, like, obviously, like, growing your hair out in an attempt to, like, conscious attempts to, like, present more femme is, that's a huge, like, decision. Right, like that's a huge part of your like I don't know for me I have pretty short hair like I have a hat on right now but like I have pretty short hair. Oftentimes I like wear it in like a quote unquote like man bun, um, but like yeah, I mean that's a huge part of your identity is like just like things like your hair and how you present yourself. Um, and I'd be curious like the PCT is a long way, um, and you meet a ton of people. Um, so I just, like, yeah, like, how do you, how are you in that space? Like, what is that like for you of, like, you show up to a campsite and there's other people there or, uh, you know, and then how do you navigate those spaces? When, how do you feel safe? When don't you feel safe? Like, what is that like for you?
1: Yeah, um, that was an interesting experience because I started the trail um, with my, my, Partner at the time, who was the same person that I did the bike trip with. Um, okay. So I think to the outside world, uh, we were both like identifying as trans, but to the outside world, we looked like a lesbian couple. Um, and so then my partner at the time got off trail due to a foot injury, um, picked up a motorcycle, and then met me at various points along the way on the PCT. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> so it was an interesting experience because while I was in the woods or while, you know, they were away from me, um, it was an experience of showing up as a cis passing, straight passing woman, you know. Um, I guess I wasn't a woman, but like, that's what everyone saw me as. So that was my experience. And I felt totally so much safer in that space as like passing as like, yeah, a hetero woman. Um, And so then I would get off trail and be in these rural spaces um, as one half of a lesbian partnership to the outside world. And it was just like, yeah, it was totally weird. Then later in the trail, Um, my ex and I befriended um, and then started a poly relationship with um, another trans person who showed up in the world looking like a cis guy. Um, And so (laughs) it was even more complicated by that. I think that that was when I felt most scared um, because it feels um, hard to, um, like I felt very protective of that person it felt really scary that maybe someone could come up on them peeing in the woods or something and like have, um, I don't know, a freak out moment. So I felt like very protective of them, like as um, someone who could pass more easily. Um, it was just nerve wracking, yeah.
0: yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's even things so simple as like, your identity and how you present can influence like literally things like going to the bathroom in the woods. Like that's insane and like I can't like for you as like someone's partner in that situation, like I mean for me I would also just feel super protective and want to be like, okay, like I will be on the lookout or like I don't know, like that is really hard and it just kinda sucks to think that like that is a part of your mindset when you're doing this incredible thing like you're hiking the PCT like you're carrying all of your shit on your back like the last thing you should have to worry about is like whether or not you or your partner is safe using the bathroom like a normal human would do um, just because of how they identify and like that just seems really like anxiety-provoking um, and stressful and so like kudos to you for, for finish i mean it was you finished the pct right so uh, uh doing that and that's I, that's incredible i don't really have words <laughs> um but super cool so the so you you finished the pct and then what does your life look like after that like do you continue presenting as a, like a cis hetero woman or like what is your what it's have
1: for you. Yeah, well then things got really messy like getting back into the real world after like <laughs> just doing whatever you want, basically well not, you know, you're like walking all the time, you know, which is terrible in its own way sometimes but uh, yeah, uh, getting back into the real world was like super super jarring for me. Um, let's see yeah, I came back and then um decided to go on testosterone um yeah I think like getting back I um felt more capable of um more outwardly presenting um as trans so like previously I was like only trans in the confines of like very specific comfortable situations where like I knew that the people that I told my right name to would use it and like the people who could understand, like, you know, using he/him pronouns at the time while, you know, having like long hair and nail polish or whatever was like, the, people would be comfortable with that. But when I got back, I was like, I just felt more comfortable um, telling people that I was trans. Um, And also at the time, too, it was easier. Like when I first considered going on testosterone, it was like 2012 in Pittsburgh where you needed to have like really intensive like therapy and get like sign offs from like medical people. So like when I got to Seattle again, um, the laws were much more lax um, and it became super easy for me to go to my PCP and say like, hey, I'm thinking about testosterone and then like slowly ramp up um yeah yeah. and then it was the first time that I like used air as my name professionally too which felt like a really big thing because like being a writer and having like my old name with a bunch of bylines and then like changing that (laughs) was I don't know a little weird and hard um and then I um Yeah, I started using they, them pronouns at work, too, which was, like, a really big change as well for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, did you you feel like that? Like, I can only imagine that doing something, like, through hiking the PCT would give you the opportunity to, like, really just, like, figure out who the hell you are. Like, that seems so, like, I don't know people back across the country or people do 10 day meditation retreats and silent retreats and like to figure out who they are. But I think there's something to be said about like, just like carrying your life on your back and like being in the woods and like having, I'm assuming probably really great days and also really terrible days. And like just always having space to be in your head and figure out who you are. And do you feel like that, impacted like your comfort level in identifying how you truly identify like publicly um do you feel like that that kind of trail and that experience helped that for you like helped you get to that space
1: mm. yeah I feel like a lot of people do have this thought that like doing long like sort of endurance things in the woods like gives you time and space to like you know, become the person who you always wanted to be or whatever, you know? I, like, I think that part of me, like, did, the, did both the, you know, like, all of my long-distance things um, to, I don't know, probably because I have some questions. Um, uh, but I think, like, what was cool about the PCT was that, like, when I ended it, I had this, like, overwhelming, like, incredible, life-altering feeling um, that, I don't know, was, like, the best moment of my life thus far, um, where I felt like, wow, I can do, like, literally anything. Um, and so, like, when I came to the Canadian border, like, that's how I felt. So maybe that transferred over um, to, like, making me sort of, like, not give a fuck more in... Life off trail, uh, but I do think like I actually have been the worst like mentally health wise on those long traps of just like being in my head for that long is like not <laughs> super great place for me, and I I have not come to like any kind of like enlightened state. <laughs> by, like, being in physical pain for a long time. I don't know why I do it, honestly. But, uh, so, yeah. That's awesome. I mean,
0: maybe you just have to do another one. Like, it's just you haven't gotten, you haven't reached the whole potential yet.
1: Maybe. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: I mean, yeah, I think that maybe it's just also, like, small small enlightenments like just small things that you might not recognize but yeah I mean for me I think that even just spending like a week in the woods backpacking like I come back feeling like I don't give a shit what anyone thinks um I'm just gonna do me but then it's like it's really interesting because then slowly like the cycle of getting back into the rhythm of things and like actually be like well shit like I have to care about what other people think um yeah it's a weird space to be in and I think for me like I so I always say like I use she her she her or they them pronouns and um kind of similarly like I use or more or less like ask folks to use like they them pronouns for me in spaces that I know it's like safe or um, not, and I think also, like, for me, like, even just having someone randomly use they, them pronouns, like, makes me feel better. Like, I just get this, like, lighter feeling in my body when it happens, and um, yeah, I think, like, when I'm out in the woods, or on my bike, or climbing a wall, like, I don't have to think about that part of myself like, I can really just, like, focus on what I'm doing, um, and it's, like, a weird reality check of, like, when I get back into the world of being, like, oh, yeah, that's right, like, I, this is a part of me, um, and it's, yeah, I don't know, like, it's really interesting, and, uh, I'm glad that you are, like, able to, use, like, comfortable using your real name and your, your actual pronouns, like, in, like, your workspace, like, that's super awesome, um, but also probably, like, terrifying to start that process, um, how was that for you, and, like, was your employer, like, receptive?
1: Yeah, that was, like, super terrifying for me, um, it was, like, (laughs) It was really scary, um, and I did it via email. Um, I uh, before I started, I was like, "Yeah, I was like, well, I really don't want people calling me my legal name, and I really don't want people using she/her pronouns." So I guess the only because, and I'm going into an office for you know forty hours a week. So if I <laughs> If I want to feel relatively happy, I guess I'm going to at least have to try to uh, do that. Um, And so I was really lucky. Like at at the time, I was offered a a contract gig with REI um, in headquarters. Um, And yeah, they were really nice about it. It was like not a problem. It was just like, hey, just so you know, via email, uh, I use they, them pronouns. And I got to work and people just were using they, them pronouns. Like, I don't know what happened, you know, in the back, the behind the scenes. But it was, yeah, super amazing. Um, That's super cool. Yeah. I feel really lucky. I think that that's a pretty rare experience for People who use yeah. they/them pronouns or change their pronouns yeah. or whatever. <laughs> well, and also, just to think about like how big that company
0: is and like how big REI headquarters is and like the variety of people that work for REI and like the variety of people that REI serves. Like, yeah, yeah I, that's, that's incredible. Like you, like uh, uh, for me, like I would assume that me working at this tiny little bike shop that has four employees um who I'm all like best friends with that would be easier but then like are safer but in all honesty like I never felt comfortable going to them and saying like hey like this is it like this is what I want um but like similar like you I also work for REI um in a much different capacity <laughs> uh and I feel like when I'm at work like my managers have all asked me what pronouns I use um and they've been like hey like let's have this conversation and um yeah I don't know it's pretty incredible to be a part of that um, or to be a part of a larger community that sees you for who you are um it's it's nice to like I don't know, there's no, in my opinion, better experience, um, especially in like your workplace, where like you said, you go and spend 40 hours a week in this office, like you want to feel comfortable. You want to feel like you can get your job done and not have these other parts of you impacting um, your productivity, like that's awesome. Um, so like, has there been anything like most people that I talked to haven't directed the PCT. (laughs) Um, But has there been anything or is there anything that you're like hesitant to do because of your identity
1: at all, like outdoors per per se? Mm, Yeah, Um, I don't take my top off. Um, I try to wear, yeah, so I also had top surgery. um, So I feel very... Um, self-conscious, like in the outdoors, um, around people who I don't know, um, showing my scars. Um, So that's one thing that I definitely don't do. Um, Let's see, I really want to um, through hike the Jordan Trail, um, which is really cool. I've wanted to for a while, and I have plans to next year. But I'm going to be, yeah, I'm super stoked. But I'm going to be going with um, that same trans friend who I met on the PCT. Um, Yeah, it's going to be rad, but I'm super nervous about traveling internationally in a place that um, I don't really know the norms um, or the language. So. I'm super scared about, you know, just like what we already talked about, the where to pee, you know, if I'm peeing in the desert, I want to make sure that no one can see my bits and be surprised. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's just, like, that's a whole other level, right, of, like, I don't know. It's First, you have to think about, like, wanting to do something And then second, like, think about, like, the legalities of your own person in a place. You know what I'm saying? Like, traveling to different countries where, like, is it legal to be who I am? Like, I don't know. And then also to be, like, okay, even if it is legal or not outrightly not legal, like, what is my experience going to be? And, like, how... If I were you, I probably, in my own, like, experience and knowing who I am as a person, like, would probably do, like you said, and, like, grow my hair out and present them because that seems like a safer option, maybe, depending on what research you come up with. Um, But then I'm like, fuck that. Like, I'm just going to be who I am. Um, But that's, like, I don't know. It kind of sucks to think, like, you're planning this huge trip That is incredible um and you instead of like getting just being like super excited about it all the time it's like you're nervous and stressed about this one aspect of it um have you found like just like in relation to like peeing like have you found any way that you felt comfortable and like even if someone sees you like there's nothing that they're gonna they're not gonna be able to like tell your identity outside of like talking to, like, you know what I'm saying? like, Have you found a way to do that that works best for you?
1: Not really. I think the thing that is scariest for me is that um, I don't know uh, what gender people um, see me as. Um, okay. When I'm traveling. So like I went to Jordan earlier this year um, with my current partner, who's also trans. Um, and uh, some people uh, were calling me a dude. Some people were calling me a woman. Um So it was like, I, I don't know. Like, it doesn't matter how I pee, really. It's like, I I would have to know how the other person is <laughs> uh, interpreting me. Yeah. And then we're like, okay. Uh, I also, like, I have in the past tried, like, the she-wees or whatever, like, the stands to peas, and, like, I've just made so many messes, like, (laughs) it just does not work for me. I do not have, like, the bladder control to, like, not just, like, let it all go at once, and it's, like, just gone out the back so many times. It's, like, terrible. I know almost everyone else, like, can do it just fine. I don't know what's wrong with me, but...
0: <laughs> that's awesome. I don't know. I would normally my recommendation would be like watch some YouTube videos, but I don't know if that's those are I don't think those are allowed. <laughs> or like I don't think anyone would want to watch them. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Do you feel like? I mean in a situation like that would you rather have someone perceive you as female or perceive you as male like is there Uh, one way that makes you feel
1: safer more or less I guess is my question yeah as a person that was socialized as a girl I understand the ways in which I can act uh, as a girl much better than as a guy I really don't know like the protocol. Um, Really, it feels like I'm missing some information about like what is considered like cool and normal. So I feel much safer when people perceive me, yeah, as a woman. Um, It's also like, it's hard because like, I'm off tea now, but I still have facial hair that I like have to, well, I don't have to shave, but I do. Um, but, like, on a trip like the Jordan Trail, it's, like, okay, what am I, you know, what am I going to, I don't, I've never shaved in the woods before, so um, I'm sure there's, like, some YouTube videos about that that I'll learn about, but <laughs> never, I don't know, I don't know. It
0: just seems really, like, feel and then go and then feel and then, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. that's hard. I was actually just talking with someone at like, kind of same token but different about like I'm planning a bike trip across the country and um, I I don't shave my legs and so like as someone who's socialized as has always been socialized as a female like that's something that women do is like shave their legs and like you know don't have body hair and like those sorts of things Um, yeah and I was thinking about like riding and the panhandle of florida wearing lycra bike shorts and like thinking if i get off you know to stop at a gas station to get snacks like and i i don't shave my legs i have really long like hair like just that like that just seems so small and so dumb but like it's something to think about of like am i does that put me at risk um And then in the back of my brain, I'm like, okay, well, what does it even matter? Like, I'm just, like, people can tell I'm on a bike trip, like, do they think I'm just going to carry a razor with me? Like, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But also in the same token, like, you know, I guess for me, I think about, like, you know, it doesn't matter what gender you are. You can have facial hair. It's like, people have hair. Like, it's a normal body thing. It's just different for everyone. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, that has to, I I can't imagine, like, trying to think about that, and, like, that would be difficult, I think, to even think about just, like, happening in the United States, um, like, a rural part of the U.S., but then to also think about that, like, across many cultures, and um, language barriers, and those sorts of things. Um, There's a part of me that also, like, has so much hope that, you will like, cross paths with people that are like amazing and it will just like
1: blow your mind yeah uh, definitely gonna happen like, I've never not met someone awesome on a trip <laughs> yeah, yeah perfect like, that's, how it goes, right? <laughs> that's awesome yeah
0: um, cool so I guess like one of the things that like we're trying to do with this podcast is figure out like how or are there ways that you see um, just like gaps in accessibility, like, how do we fill the gaps of inaccessibility for, for queer folks? Like, or for especially, like, you have the perspective of a trans person that I don't necessarily have. Like, I have the perspective of a non-binary person or a gender queer person, but, like, being trans is very different, um, and, yeah, like, how do you, how can we make the outdoors or outdoor experiences or things, like, more accessible? Or comfortable for people like you and in, in your community.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think for a long time I thought that like just telling, like just storytelling, was enough. Um, and yeah, I honestly don't know. Actually, um, I think it's going to take like systemic change. Um, from every segment of the population of the U.S., not just like outdoor rec people, um, to create meaningful change for LGBTQ folks and other folks that are not middle-class white people. (laughs) Uh, I think it's like a really large issue. I I really don't know. Um, I think it's great that like there are so many organizations that are making like queer specific trips, especially for young folks. I think that that's like really exciting to see. Um, I think like communities that are gathering like on social media and then like in the real world too are like exciting to see. Like I think like folks, finding like folks is like a great way to increase comfort and things like that. Um, I am seeing more representation in terms of like storytelling that the outdoor industry is doing. Um, I think one cool thing um, that REI is doing is making um, bikes that aren't built in the binary. Like they're just, they don't have a gender. Um, So I think like thinking about that kind of stuff is great. Um, yeah, I think more sizes for more folks, too, is, like, really important as we're thinking about, like, what are, you know, people of many genders have, like, different ways of wearing their clothes and, like, different sizes, and so just making, yeah, more clothing accessible to more people would be great, too.
0: Yeah, I, I just, I actually was building a couple of the 2020, um, bikes that are,
1: uh
0: unisex for rei and they're pretty sweet um and then i also noticed um the north face has unisex jackets uh, which is really cool and like that seemed like a really cool thing to be doing of like yeah many people of many different genders wear their clothes differently and like i hate wearing women's clothing but like i can't uh I can't wear, like, men's jackets because they don't fit my hips. Like, just stuff like that. And, yeah, I think, like, systemic change is obviously, like, the only true, true way. Um, But I think there are ways of, like, I don't know. I was even thinking the other day about being, like, a trailhead. Um, getting ready to go on a hike and just having like there are two bathrooms they're both single stall like why do we have men's and women's bathroom signs on them like why what's the what like what's the point um but that's like weirdly intimidating you know like that's intimidating off the bat and you haven't even started hiking um in all honesty, like, I think I'd rather go pee in the woods than try to pee in, like, a binary bathroom, (laughs) um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's really hard, and I think, like, conversations are great, because I think people need to hear, like, like, people need to hear that it's stressful for you to go to the bathroom before they understand, like, that it's not okay for other people to treat people poorly based on, how they go to the bathroom um but i mean i i don't know there's just so much more um and i really like appreciated like the articles that you've written for the co-op journal like that's been really awesome um i think like hearing different perspectives from different outdoor type folks is also important because i assume that like the experience is different for everyone in every different aspect of the outdoors um yeah uh was there ever someone or something that helped you feel like comfort in your hobbies so like I know we talked about like your parents kind of like getting you into the outdoors reluctantly um as a child but then like now as an adult or like choosing to do things on your own like the person telling you about bike and build but or someone else like what has made you who or has someone made you feel like more comfortable doing what you're doing as yourself
1: yeah i think um the friend that i talked about that i met on the pct who is trans um is, like super influential for me they are a triple crowner um uh-huh yeah, and uh, every few years they just, like, they're a bartender too, so they just, like, make a bunch of money for, like, a year or two and then fuck off and go just, like, hike in the woods. Um, And so, like, I feel really inspired by that lifestyle of, like, um, yeah, just being okay with, um, you know, a lack of stability. Um, So I think that, like, that person was really influential for me. Um, And also like, I think that they were the first person that I felt comfortable using they, them pronouns with too. Um, As they use they, them pronouns, and I had to like get used to that and like get used to my discomfort around that at the time. It was really helpful. So yeah.
0: That's awesome. Um, Just one thing that like I'm experimenting with of like, Did you ever wear a binder in the outdoors? And, like, what is that, like? Uh,
1: Yeah, I have never worn a binder in the outdoors. Uh, I know people who do, and it seems really, really tough. Um, Yeah, I wore binders, like, you know, in non-outdoor settings, and they were terrible for me <laughs> um yeah I don't know that's really hard um I think like I've seen like the I was always interested in like those swimsuits that had binders in them I feel like swimming is like was really terrible when I had boobs um, I guess it's still a little terrible now but um yeah I haven't it's, experienced it it's terrible
0: now because like why why is it terrible now just because like you don't want to like take your shirt off or like
1: just in general like is it painful or like I don't know I oh, know it's not painful um I think like I'm at an uncomfortable place with my body even now after like I do feel better okay. not having boobs um but now that I'm off T, i am off I feel like my body has returned to its, like, slightly curvier state. So I feel uncomfortable being in less clothes around other people. Yeah. So, and then, I don't know, it's that same thing of just, like, I'm afraid of how, like, I'm just constantly thinking of how other people are interpreting me. Like, how are they seeing me? how should I be acting in relation to that? If they do perceive me as a woman, I have super, super hairy legs now, like much hairier than before. So kind of like what you were talking about, like how, like, what are they gonna think about my leg? You know, it's just like everything piled on and just having less clothes just makes me feel uncomfortable.
0: I I 100% understand. Like, I went to the gym today, and I was, like, afraid to wear shorts, because I was like, oh, shit, I have to, like, walk through the locker room, and, like, I have blonde leg hair. Like, you actually can't even see it, like, but at the same time, it's just this thing of, like, I don't know, there's a part of me that's like, why don't I just fucking shave it again, and, like, maybe I'll be less stressed, but then I'm also like, I don't want to have to do that. Like, I want to be able to feel comfortable walking around with leg hair, and, um yeah, like, I I totally understand not feeling comfortable in your body, um, like, as it relates to curves, like, I absolutely, like, hate having hips, Um, and I'm, like, really particular about pants that, like, might accentuate hips, and it's just, like, it's this really stressful thing of, like, I'm getting ready to go to Honduras at the end of February, and I'm doing the same with like thinking about swimming, like I'm gonna be in beautiful beaches and like oceans and I want to swim, but I also like don't want to take my clothes off. Um, and that's hard and I, I don't know, like it's just, yeah, swimsuits with binders is, is cool, but then it's also like, that doesn't feel right either. Like it doesn't feel like the thing that I want either. Um, so I totally can relate to that feeling, um, and I'm hopeful that maybe, like, someone will come out with something, um, that will make it easier for folks, I guess, to, to do those sorts of things comfortably, because, yeah, I mean, comfort is key to, like, wanting to do something around other people, and when you're... In situations like backpacking like you just run into people all the time um, and you want to be comfortable when you do that so um, cool uh, so what so like the last kind of like question so if you could be any animal in the world um, what would you be and why
1: easy question for me because I have a dog her name is River and I would specifically be her if I could be a dog because I think her life is amazing I mean I'm bragging about my parenting but she goes to dog camp two days a week and like hangs out with her dog friends yeah and then she gets like to go on hikes and walk so much and she gets to run after the ball And she has, like, a throne um, in my living room where she (laughs) spends her time. It has, like, a, like, this window that, like, juts out into the yard. And so she can just sit on her throne looking out over her kingdom. And it just, like, it feels like such a good life. Like, I wouldn't want to just, like, chance it to, like, be a dog, you know, because, like, there are some sad dogs, you know, out there. Same with animals, you know, just, like, they're. It's hard being an animal, I think. So, has to be hard specifically. Yeah. All right,
0: so, River, what kind of dog is River?
1: She's a cattle dog brew dejan Ridgeback mix. She's like 40 pounds and like black and white speckles. She's really cute. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, my dog
0: is like, seems like she's similar sized and she doesn't have a throne, but she takes up more of my queen size bed than I do. Um, yeah. And I would have to say, like, yeah, based on my parenting style, too, like, it would be easy to pick to be her. She's got to be
1: <laughs> <it>.
0: <laughs> She also gets to go backpacking and wear her own backpack. And
1: oh, all nice. Just, you
0: know, all the good things. But that's, that's awesome. awesome. Um, so if you want, like, where can we
1: find things that you write? Um, I... Uh, well you can on the RI Club journal you will find uh, literally hundreds of my articles on there um, and if you I'm now freelance so if you want to hire me uh, you can go to yeah airparis.com and you can find my portfolio there. <laughs>
0: awesome So folks if you need articles written talk to air they are great um cool well maybe we will freelance you to write an article for us Um, that would be awesome and also like all right sweet well thanks so much for chatting with us
1: thanks i'm excited (laughs) a little scared but it's gonna be great
0: that's it folks thanks for listening to this week's episode of the ride by ride outside we hope you enjoyed our conversation with air as much as i enjoyed chatting with them we're super excited to see where their freelance work takes them and hope you'll check out some of the amazing work they do if you're so inclined their website is airparis.com that's spelled A-E-R-P-A-R-R-I-S.com, and they're for hire Next week, we chat with another person in the LGBTQ plus community that finds themselves outdoors as often as possible. Until then, we have one small favor to ask you. Small podcasts like ours grow from listeners like you sharing the episodes you enjoy. Our ask for you is if you enjoyed this episode, would you please share it with at least one person you think might benefit from hearing what we're sharing? And if you have a little extra love, giving us a rate and review on your favorite podcast platform would help a ton. Don't forget to check out our Instagram, at ride.outside, where we'll share sneak peeks of new episodes and other fun stuff each week. And check out our website to sign up for our new newsletter, rideoutside.org. Until next week, folks, we hope to see you riding outside.